Okay, thank you for being with us. We're going to continue in verse 1 of the little book of Jude. We looked at the first phrase uh, last time after we looked at the foundation of the little book of Jude. Just to refresh our memories, it starts out, Jude, a slave or slave of Jesus Christ. One thing to keep in mind, the Holy Spirit doesn't waste words. He chooses words carefully. In my view, when we see an introduction like this, the Holy Spirit is telling us that ideally as Christians, we're to understand ourselves as slaves to a master. And our master, of course, is Jesus Christ. Now, Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. That's, that's a that's a well-grounded fact. Uh, some, some people uh, try to stretch out into the fringe areas of, of study and research, but doesn't really hold water. Jude is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Uh, his name is mentioned uh, in the Gospels as one of the brethren of Jesus. So how is it that he calls himself a slave of Jesus Christ? Why doesn't he just say, um, the brother of our Lord or the half-brother or whatever. I think it's because there was such a profound effect on the brethren of Jesus after his resurrection that everything came together in their minds, and they came to realize that he wasn't just their half-brother, that he uh, is the virgin-born son, uh, son of God. He's the Christ of God. And he carries this, this very the highest office and personality, really, in in all of the Bible. So it's natural to see, in my view, that Jude would have just not felt worthy to have equated himself with Jesus in such a way that he would call himself the half brother of Jesus Christ. But he continues in his identification. The next phrase he says in verse one, then brother of James. Now, James, of course, also is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. If you go over to the book of James, which this James wrote, you will see that he describes himself something in a similar way like this, refusing to take any kind of opportunity to equate himself with Jesus. Of course, he's inspired of the Holy Spirit as is Jude to write to us this book. And so this is how the Holy Spirit uh, directs Jude and, and of course, James uh, to identify themselves in, this, uh, in these inspired epistles. Brother then of James. Okay, now, what further do we know here about what the Holy Spirit is telling us? James is called, in some writings, in ancient writings, he's called James the Less or James the Just. Remember, there was an apostle, the, the brothers, the, the, the son, there was James, son of Alphaeus. There, there were these other James characters. But this James, the brother of Jude, is the one who is called the bishop of Jerusalem. In other words, to use modern vernacular, he was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. He was highly regarded, even by the apostles, a lot of a lot of great things are said about James and the pious life uh, that he lived. So Jude, 
grows up with James. He's obviously under the influence of James as well. So these both of these men would have been very pious men that have been sanctified. Uh, they would have they would have done everything they could to live a holy and obedient life. James is noted in uh, history for having knees like camel's knees because he spent so much of his day on his knees uh, in prayer. So James is a very significant character, really, in the in the early in the New Testament church. Jude, brother of James, we are now directed to consider uh, the character of James as well as Christians. So I think it serves us uh, well to reflect upon the lives of these. Uh, in, in his case, in this, in the case of James the Just, here serves us well to consider his his pious and obedient life, and to to think of what the early church was built upon, the principles and the principled people uh, who lay the foundation for the early church. So then he further identifies himself as the brother of James. Continuing in verse 1, he addresses those to whom he's writing. He says, to those in God the Father, in God the Father, and Phil Patri, uh, in Acts chapter 17, Paul writes, and he says to the Areopagites on Mars Hill, he says, he's not far from any of us. He's speaking of God. Of course, on Mars Hill, the Greeks, they they believed in a plethora of gods. And, and so Paul is trying to draw their attention to the truth that there's only one God. And there are no other gods. The great creator God is the true and living God. And he says in Acts chapter 17, he says in Acts chapter 17, in him we live and move and have our being. So it it speaks of the completeness of God. It speaks of the sovereignty of God. And it speaks of how everything that we are, our existence, everything about us is in God uh, the Father. He is absolute sovereign in everything and of every life. But now he focuses it down to the believer here. And he's, he says, to those in God the Father, having been loved in Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to read this. There's a better way probably to translate it, and I suppose if you look at a translation, um, you'll you'll see it written some other way. But I think it is so beautiful in this particular phrase. It is so beautiful and meaningful in my view to extract it directly from the Greek as it is written, okay? To those in God the Father, having been loved. Now that verb is is in the it's it's in the perfect tense. So it means it's an action that's already been completed at a specific point in in past time, but it has results that continue into the present. Now, having been loved in God the Father, this speaks of the eternal salvation of the saints of God. You You can't escape it. 
That's, that's what it says. That's how it's written. To those in God the Father, having been loved and having been kept called in Jesus Christ. Now, let me say that again. To those, to those in God the Father, having been loved and having been kept called in Jesus Christ. That, to me, that phraseology is just mind-blowing. Speaking of the eternal uh, purpose of God in each of our lives. Now, he's very specific here. To those, to those in God the Father, having been loved and having been kept called in Jesus Christ. So we're in God the Father. In God the Father, we are having been loved and having been kept called in, in Jesus Christ. So here is the great eternal uh, foundation, uh, the great eternal purpose, the great uh, eternity of God's call, uh, the great eternal purpose that rests in the lives of each of the called of God. Kletois, kletois, called. Now that, that word... That's a part of the word that is in other places called election or elect. Ek kaleo, to call out. The called are those who are summoned. Kletos, uh, it's, it's from a, a, a root, kletos, um, which is to summon. Only God can do that. That's the, that's the effective, wonderful um, un, un, uh, you can't doubt the, wor- the the call of God in your life. That's something that is that is that is that is so direct and and so focused. So he's speaking to those who have been summoned by God the Father, uh, having been loved by God the Father, having been kept called, and we are in Jesus Christ. Now that word called. You have to go back uh, to what identifies it. You're having been kept called. Um, the the calling. It's it's a Terrell. There's a there's a there's a uh, a root word here that speaks of being guarded. Or, or watched over, those having been kept or having been guarded or having been watched over. Uh, it, it, it speaks of our, um, uh, it speaks of the fact that we're totally helpless, but it's okay because the one who has called us keeps us called. The one who has called us into his choosing, into election, has taken the responsibility himself for keeping us in that state. We're, we're, we're helpless. We can't do that. Uh, we're absolutely helpless to save ourselves. We're absolutely helpless to keep ourselves saved. So in Christ Jesus, 
we are having been kept called. And so there's that uh, th- there's that uh, part of that word again that uh, that tense and so forth that that tells us in the tense and the mood and, and all it tells us that this is something that that has been done. It can't be undone, uh, and its its results are absolutely permanent. So that's that's who we are in Christ Jesus. Now that that ends verse one. Let me go back and take the whole verse now in consideration. Jude, verse 1. Jude, slave of Jesus Christ. Then brother of James. To those in God the Father, having been loved and having been kept called in Jesus Christ. This is so rich in, in doctrine for you and me. Uh, first of all, by example, how we are to lead lives of obedience. We're to consider ourselves slaves of Jesus Christ, the master. Only the will of the master is the will that matters. And the will of the master is always superimposed upon the will of the slave. And in Christ, we're set free in that will. Then how we're to consider another example here, James, the just, who lived such a life of piety and had such a great and powerful exemplary life for early New Testament Christians as the bishop or pastor of the church in Jerusalem. In God the Father, how is anyone ever going to wrestle us away from God the Father? If we are in God the Father, how can we ever be extracted? Who shall separate us from the love of God? You know, Paul writes about that in Romans 8. Who's going to take us out of the bosom of the Father? Well, nobody. Uh, having been loved and having been kept called, in Jesus Christ. Same thing, those of us in that tense, it's it's always been that way. He'll, he's, he'll, he'll always love us, always has, always will. He'll always guard over us. He'll always watch over us, always observe and, and, and keep us. Always has, always will in Jesus Christ. So we stop there in verse 1 and we consider, what are all of the blessings and benefits to those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, of course, there's eternal life. There's, there's heaven. There's glory with, with him into the ages of the ages, and we don't just stop there. There's the perfection uh, through the glorification that is ours in the, in the first resurrection. Uh, I mean, we, we go on and on and on with the benefit. There are benefits in this life uh, as well to know that death has no power over us, uh, that we have these, these certain blessings as those who are in Christ Jesus, that Christ makes sure that we get by his power, not by our power, but by his power. He has the power to guard, watch over, to protect. We don't have that power. He has that power. So verse 1 tells us who we really are as believers. Well, we're going to stop there uh, for this session and uh, pick up there next time, and, and thank you for watching. (laughs) 